I want to welcome you to the School of Ministry for these three days. I'm going to start today, continue tomorrow, and I'll hand it uh, next tomorrow under the permanent revolution for bumper harvest. Like the first minister rightly said, we want to raise every member in government NA to the minister status. Father, I thank you, God, for this wonderful opportunity that I have to minister your word. Father, I pray that you, the Lord, will speak through my vocal cord and you think through my mind. Let revelation knowledge flow out of my lips freely. I pray that in the name of Jesus, you take us from where we are to where we are supposed to be. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I've prayed. Amen and amen. You know, there are some things that I would say in this teaching because I have been strategically positioned by grace to say them. As someone who has labored in government NA for about 26 years. And over the years, God has used me to bring apostolic messages to this body at critical times to deal with certain impediments in the church, ushering us into a new level of grace at every thorn. Here are some of these messages. Intentional discipleship. Possessing the nations by eliminating unnecessary traditional norms and outdated systems and creating a new atmosphere for church health and growth. Open heavens for permanent explosion. That is Convention 2013. Reviving the spirit of apostolicity and becoming a movement with global impact. And I defined open heavens as the full activation of the five-fold ministry for permanent revolution. The priesthood of believers. That is taking the gospel of the kingdom to invading the marketplace for total transformation. The place of personal and corporate covenants in church growth. And I love this one. We must fix this. That is growing the church young by intentionally bringing the young generation to the front line for generational impact and more. And in these three days, as a sent one, I will be speaking directly to the body, government NA, again. You know, churches evolve. And one of the duties of an apostolic leader in the tribe of Ishakar is to know exactly where the work is, what the Lord is saying, and what should be the next point of action according to divine blueprint. And without any iota of doubt, I am persuaded that the full exploration of the five-fold ministry to bring about permanent revolution for bumper harvest should be our next point of action. And this will propel us to the next level of grace in government NA. 
in open heavens for permanent explosion in 2013, I said. The government of our dream is government with great apostolic movement. A radical community of disciples centered on the Lordship of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, built squarely on a five-fold ministry organized around missions where everyone, I mean everyone, is considered an empowered agent to reach the unreached, plant churches, and establish the saints. Like Joshua said in Joshua chapter 24, 26 to 28. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the Lord of God. And he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard. The stone has heard all the words of the Lord, which is spoke to us. It shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart even to their own inheritance. And thank God for technology. That we have things, tools here, that could record better than stone. So that you will remember this in years to come. I am under two commissions in this convention. Directly from God Almighty and his servant over us, Pastor Dr. Abino. In 2019, the Lord gave me this directive that the next convention should center around Ephesians 4. Amazingly, at the last Council of Ministers meeting held in Nigeria on June 7, 2021, the general overseer took his test from Ephesians 4 and said, What I am sharing with you, teach the ministers and the congregation. So I am under a double mandate to teach Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 1 to 32. That's going to be, you know, our test for this teaching. But let's read the first six verses. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, with long-suffering, bearing one another in love, diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, and through all and in all. The first thing that you will notice there, because this is going to be an expository teaching. The first thing you will notice there is the calling. The calling. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you 
to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. There is a calling, the calling with which you have been called. And he used the word therefore, therefore. And that is a word that prompts us to look back before pressing on. In line of what I have said before, therefore. Apostle Paul had spent time in Ephesians 1 to 3, chapter 1, 2, and 3, discussing the call to salvation and all the associated benefits extensively. And now I want to share with you four things from that passage of the scriptures. Number one, the foundation of salvation by grace, true faith, is the solid foundation for good works in the kingdom. The foundation of salvation by grace, true faith, is the solid foundation for good works in the kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 10, it said, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which beforehand he has ordained for us to do. You aspirants to our pulpits. You must be born again. You aspirants to our pulpit. If you are going to last in ministry, if you are going to enter into ministry and last in ministry, you must be born again. There are many in the church with a faulty foundation. So the call to ministry is dwindling. They have a faulty foundation, so God cannot call people into ministry. God cannot commission an unsaved man to go and reap the harvest. He will make people twice the children of hell, like the Pharisees, because people will follow his spirit. The foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus as the chief cornerstone, is the solid foundation for kingdom building. The foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus as the ship cornerstone is the foundation for solid kingdom building. You must have this understanding to have a fruitful, stress-free, performance-free ministry. Paul the apostle quickly introduced a subject to be explained later as we will do. The aim of Christ is for his church to become a permanent revolution for the establishment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and bring a bumper harvest of souls into the kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 3, 20 to 21, said, and God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. 
as a sign and instrument of God's kingdom, the church is meant to be a dynamic, transformative, permanent revolution that does unimaginable things from generation to generation. It is meant to be a continuous, unending, ever-expanding force of transformation in the world. A permanent revolution. As you go, heal the sick. Raise the dead. As you go, preach the gospel of the kingdom. The signs shall follow them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says they turn the world upside down. The church is meant to be a dynamic force in the world. And responding to the call of salvation turns you to a prisoner of the Lord. Responding to the call of salvation turns you to a prisoner of the Lord. He said, therefore... I, the prisoner of the Lord. This is very significant because it wins you off from the propensity to do what you like doing to doing only the things that please him. The only option you have as a prisoner of the Lord is to please him because he is your master. You have lost your will to his will. Listen to this. The kingdom of God is not a place where you do whatever you like, but where you do his will. Let the kingdom come and let thy will be done. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 15 to 17, the Bible says, and he died for all. That those who have accepted him should no longer live for themselves, but should live for him who has died for them. So the challenge we have is that the church today is filled with people doing whatever they like. They live for themselves and not for the master. But Paul in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 said, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not High, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of him who died for me and gave himself for me. So the question is, are you a prisoner of the Lord or of your own will? Are you a prisoner of the Lord or of your own will? That is the first thing, the calling. You have to be born again. And you have to be a prisoner of the Lord. And immediately after that, Paul went to the next level, the walk. The walk. The call for character transformation must adorn the call for salvation. The call for character transformation must adorn the call for salvation. He said, therefore I urge you, beseech you, beg you, to walk in the manner of the calling for which you have been called. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling for which you have been called. And in the light of the believer's calling and position in Christ, 
Paul exhorts the Ephesians to walk in a manner worthy of that calling. In other words, we have to apply the truth of that calling to our lives. The call of God is transformative and reformative. It does not leave the called the same. And the sign that we are born again is in the fruit we bear. Thank God Pastor Tosin talked about the fruit of the Spirit. The sign that we are born again is in the fruit we bear, making our ministry effective. And one of the challenges we face in the 21st century church is placing charisma before character. One of the challenges we face in the 21st century church is placing charisma before character. And that has made the world disrespect the church because the lifestyle that follows the display of power in some Christians is not like Christ. I'm going to quote from our father in the Lord a lot today. He said, and I quote, it is a disgrace to speak about a man of God that he is a liar. It is a disgrace to him and the church. It is a disgrace to speak about a woman of God that she is a liar. It is a disgrace to her and the church. And there are people who are spiritual hermaphrodites. One part is godly, and another part is worldly. And people with such complex and conflicting personalities cannot promote the righteousness of God, carry the power of God, and reap the harvest for Jesus. We have to bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. We have to bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Our Father in the Lord said in that message that day again, the life we live matters. In this kingdom, the life we live matters. It is not only about singing. It is not only about preaching. It is not only about hushering. The life we live matters. Paul, the apostles, itemized the character of Christ that must adore our calling. The first thing is you have to be born again. If you are not born again, you have no ministry. But if you say you are born again, to have a ministry, the character of Christ must adore your calling. You must be a prisoner of the Lord, not doing whatever you like, but doing the only thing that pleases him. And also, you must exude his character. Before we begin to talk about ministry, we need to ensure that these six things mentioned by Apostle Paul are actively at work in our lives and established by personal covenant. If not, we will carry in our being what will make a shipwreck of our faith and cut our life and ministry short. Judas was a follower of Jesus, 
but he carried in his being the love of money. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, 16 to 20, that, that his bishopric let another person take. He was a thief, even though he was following Jesus. So you can be a follower of Jesus in court, and you are still a thief. You are a fornicator. You are a liar. Now that evil that you carry in your being is what will terminate your ministry. It is not what people do to you that terminates your ministry. It is what is within you. What makes people fall is not outside, but inside of them. Dan Rayland said something very profound. He said a lack of competence can slow you down in ministry. But a lack of character can take you out. You may not be permanently out of the ministry from a breach in character, but the road back can be long and difficult. Paul said in Ephesians 4, 1-3, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, when it comes to talking about something serious, Apostle Paul will say, I beseech you. For example, in Romans chapter 12, 1 or 2, he said, I beseech you, please, by the mercies of the Lord, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Anytime he's talking about something serious, he will resort to begging. And here it says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you, beseech you, beg you, that you walk in a manner of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Six things mentioned by Apostle Paul. Number one, before we can begin to talk about ministry, without these six things, you cannot prosper in ministry. Without these six things. Number one, humility. Humility. It means lowliness of mind. The same word used in Philippians chapter 2, 3 to 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Do nothing. In ministry, you do nothing from selfishness and empty conceit. But with humility, consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Listen to me very well. Ministry is not a place for haughty people. Ministry is not a place for haughty people. If care is not taken, it does not take long for one to be infected with sore syndrome in ministry. In 1 Samuel 15, 17 to 19, God told Saul, he said, when you were small in your own sight, I elevated you to become a king of my people. But now that you are a king, I could no longer control you any longer. 
As you grow in ministry and achievement, you should be growing lowlier in mind for you to remain relevant in God's eyes. Power could be intoxicating. Achievements could be captivating. A little dosage of adoration from praise singers could be elevating. Together, they will ultimately bless you with demotion, shame, and disfavor with God and man. In Proverbs chapter 11 verse 2, it says that when pride comes, then comes shame. Today, people are proud of their age, race, achievements, possessions, education, and more. These things are not bad in themselves, but they are not the basis for our glory in the Lord. Oh, the Bible says that he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And sometimes God in his sovereignty could bypass all of this to achieve his purpose. He will see an educated man and God will go for somebody uneducated. He will see somebody that was poor and he will lift him up above the rich. So that nobody will glory in his sight. Our Father in the Lord said in that message again. And I took all this from my notes as he was talking. I appreciate knowledge because when people are talking before me, I lose my knowledge. I want to hear what God is saying. I don't look at flaws. I look for seed to sow. I appreciate knowledge, our Father said. But if you look at the Bible, God used both the uneducated and the educated. Peter, the fisherman, was the leader of the apostles. Listen to this. Peter loved Jesus. The love, not education, qualified him. End of quote. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself with your education. Humble yourself with your money. Humble yourself with the adoration of people. Humble yourself. Never stop being in the heart of him and his doings in your life. Ascribe the glory to him and make this known to your family. Listen to this. The way your family handles your achievements could become a snare. Daddy said again, and I quote, all that we have is by the grace of God. All I have today, it is God that qualified me for it. It is God who qualifies the unqualified. And about two weeks ago, Dr. Ebonfalope was sharing with me, and she made this quote, you know, in reference to daddy, that he will always say, if I don't answer the call, I don't know what my life would be and how my family would have turned. David said, who am I, Lord? That you will favor me like this. Not that you are before the Lord and you are cocky. As if you are, you, you are more than him. But before you went to, you know, to the embassy, you fasted, you prayed. And say, Lord, if you will give me this visa, I will, I, will, I will die in the house of God. But now, 
the house of God is not the place for you. Practice humility by intentionally doing things that send the right signal to your soul that you are nothing but by the grace of God. Put Christ first, others second, and serve last. See, a good leader gives glory to the Lord, credit to the people, and nothing to himself. Honor all men. Never allow your achievements, status, spiritual and ministry gifts to affect the way of relating with people. The basis of our relationship is his image. That we are all created in the image of God. Study the fruit of the spirit periodically. Thank God for Pastor Tosin mentioning that. That's the character of Christ. Study the fruit of the spirit periodically and do periodic self-examination. Examine yourself and never stop serving. The day you stop serving, that is the day you start dying. As we become more educated, exposed, and prosperous, pride is coming in imperceptibly. And humility is flying out. God is sending this message to us again. As it's written in Philippians chapter 3, 5 to 11. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bond servant and being born in the likeness of man, and being found in appearance a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Death on the cross. It is only the mind of Jesus that can make you last in ministry. Make it a life pursuit. Repent of pride and become lowly in mind. Government N.A. God will prosper you exceedingly, but humble yourself. Government N.A. Humility is the secret of your lifting. Don't allow pride to come in. Government N.A. I'm leaving you with the legacy of humility. Let it continue from generation to generation. Let this mind be in you as it is in Jesus. Let this mind be in you like it is in our fathers. Number two, gentleness. Gentleness. It means power under control, which requires a great deal of character. Humility and gentleness go hand in hand. Humility is the attitude of the mind, but gentleness is the outward manifestation of a person's humble demeanor. And listen to this. If Jesus has not demonstrated gentleness, none of us will be saved. If Jesus has not demonstrated gentleness, none of us will be saved. And why is it difficult to be gentle with one another? Ministry, listen, listen, listen. Ministry is not a place to be harsh with people, but persuade. Ministry is not a place to be harsh with people, but persuade. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 11, Seeing the terror of the Lord, I persuade men to command, the command rather is to teach them to obey and not force them 
to obey. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 5 to 8, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 to 8, for we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is our witness. Nor did we seek honor from people, either from you or from others. Though we could have asserted our authority as apostles of Christ, but we proved to be gentle among you. As a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, in the same way, we find a found affection for you and we're delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives because you have become very dear to us. Charles Swindoll said something very profound. Gentle people are not harsh with others. Don't fight to get their way. And don't turn everything into a winner-takes-all competition. Instead, they demonstrate consideration for the needs and feelings of others. And he said this, If all of us in the church balanced our strength with humility and gentleness, as Jesus did, then virtually all our conflicts would disappear. Deal with issues, but respect people. Even when they do wrong, do not rob them of their dignity. The Bible says that when Joseph found Mary, you know, with pregnancy that was not his own, the Bible said he thought within himself that he would just get rid of her secretly without making her a public ridicule. That means even when people do wrong, you still want to treat them with dignity. That is character, with gentleness. Listen more than you talk. And do not pass judgment without hearing people's version of the story. Speak the truth of the word with the gentleness of Christ. Even in communicating the truth, you have to be gentle. It was Donald G. that said something very profound. He said to argue and strive in a contentious spirit, even for the most special, the precious truths of our faith and hope is likely to make the very spirit of our striving deny the truth of our testimony. It is also worth remembering that even if brilliant argument compels a person to an intellectual agreement, that person's art may only be, for that reason, all the more opposed to the truth we wish him to receive, unless he has felt the gentleness of our spirit also. That even if you communicate the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, but you do so with a harsh spirit, it will work in a negative way. So do not go to war based on hearsay. Don't assume the posture of the Almighty in people's life. There are sometimes in the church, you want people to come to you. You want people to adore you. You want people to consult you before they do things. Are you the one who died for them? Don't play the part of the Almighty in people's life. Like our father will always say that God does not have grandchildren. We are all sons. Seek to understand before you are understood. Avoid oystrich syndrome. Don't be an oystrich believer, husband, wife, father, mother, child, in-law, pastor, leader, worker, member, Friend, citizen, like the ostrich, 
People without discernment lack wisdom and good sense. And so behave contrary to nature. People in their world ashly and expose the next generation to danger with their I don't care attitude. And what makes it little is that they are unaware and unmindful of the damages their callousness and wickedness cause. They have a blind spot for foolish and unimaginable things. Use yourself as a measure in treating people. Use yourself as a measure in treating people. What you cannot take, don't give it to others. That is the mystery God shared, you know, in Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 27. He said, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. He said, nobody will hate himself, but he will nourish and cherish himself. That means you nourish and cherish yourself. Nourish and cherish others as well. The way you can't accept people talking to you, don't talk to people like that. Under the guise of being a pastor, under the guise of being, you know, a leader. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Treat people with dignity and respect. So government NA, I'm leaving you with the legacy of gentleness. I've been gentle to all of you. Let it continue from generation to generation. Let us deal with one another with the gentleness of Christ. Number one, humility. Number two, gentleness. Number three, patience. Patience. Without these things, you cannot prosper in ministry. You have to ensure these things before you begin to talk about ministry. Because if you don't have them in ministry, you'll be grounded. You cannot go far. Patience. Patience. Patience in this context means exercising humility and gentleness in the company of disappointing, frustrating, and downright offensive people. It is remaining calm to allow things to play out according to divine order and timing. It is sticking to something when everything within and outside of you is pursuing you to give in. Ah, it is allowing people to mature at their own pace. It is operating by Kairos and not Kronos. Listen, ministry is not a place for impatient people. If you are impatient, don't even talk about ministry. Ah, yeah, so yeah, yeah they, they, they are believers. They should know. Uh-uh. Ministry is not a place for impatient people. Go and learn from Moses. Your standard may become your heartache. Your ambition may become the crucible of affliction for you. Impatience could make one cross the boundary into what he has not been called. It was the undoing of Saul. He could not wait. It is good that a man waits for the salvation of the Lord. Ministry is not mathematics. You may put it all together and it may not come together. 
after you have done all you can, you just stand without doubting until you see the salvation of the Lord. Don't seek help outside the covenant. Don't go to the witch of Endor. Don't cross into the kingdom of darkness using voodoo for power. Just for the church to grow. Just for the people to know you. Run your race with patience. Don't compete and don't compare. Just improve on yourself over and over again and measure yourself with your mandate. Government NA. I'm leaving you with the legacy of patience. I've been patient for you all. Let it continue from generation to generation. Run the race with patience. Carry the torch with patience so that the fire will not go out. Do not compete with other denominations. But focus on the mandate as delivered to us by the fathers of faith. And Paul went to number four. He mentioned forbearance, humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance. It means having the ability to endure all kinds of people without judgmental attitudes. Look at me. There are all kinds of people in the church. The Bible says that, you know, the kingdom of God is like when a fisherman, you know, drop the net in the sea. And it catches all manner of things, including the fish. So also is the church. All kinds of people. And you have to deal with them without judgmental attitude. Because if you call them by what they do, God will fight on their behalf. That was what happened. Moses called them. He said, you stiff-necked people. And God said, you did not sanctify me before the people. You, you have, ministry is a place where you forbear. It means allowing people to be themselves and helping them to become better without being irritated by their flaws. You just play along with a matured spirit and a large heart that is accommodating. You just play along with a matured spirit and a large heart that is accommodating. Listen, 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 listen. Look at me. Ministry is not a place for irritable people. Ministry is not a place for irritable people. I've been in the ministry now called into the ministry. Not in the church, but called into ministry. This year marks 37 years. And I have discovered that ministry is not a place for irritable people. You have to treat others with grace. Letting them grow with Christ in different ways and different paces. Allowing them to develop their unique abilities without fear of being judged. We have to make allowance for each other's flaws as we all move towards perfection. Because you wanting perfection from people, you know you are imperfect yourself. Our Father in the Lord said something very profound. 
in that message. He said, I am not yet perfect, but I am willing to be. I'm not yet, after like 60-something years of ministry, who am I? 37. Who are you? One year in the Lord. And you want to straighten everybody that you know? I'm not yet perfect, but I'm willing to be. Because perfection is a high standard. End of quote. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says, Forbearing one another and forgiving each other. If any man have a complaint about any or against any, even as the Lord forgave you, so also do ye. Why do you find it very difficult to forgive others? Don't you look at a lot that the Lord has forgiven you about? Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Not some people. Anyone who offends you. Remember. The Lord forgave you, and so you must forgive others. If you cannot forgive just like this, you cannot go far in ministry. You will spend the rest of your life servicing distractions. Offense must come in ministry from expected and unexpected people. I want to repeat that. Offense must come in ministry from expected and unexpected places. But you have to handle them biblically so that you won't damage your spirit and tear down the bond of fellowship that Jesus died for. Self-interest makes forgiveness difficult. That is why we are instructed. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. If you see people that find it very difficult to forgive people, they are looking at their own selfish interest. If you are not looking at your selfish interest, you are looking for the good of others, you forgive people easily. See everything. Overlook a lot. And deal with little on purpose, and the common good. Listen. Take note of this statement as given to me by the Lord. To get the best, I'm talking from 37 years of ministry. To get the best of people for the common good, you have to overlook their flaws to get the gold they carry. I want to repeat that. To get the best of people. I have discovered in 37 years of ministry that the people that will bless the work the most carry most of the flaws. To get the best of people for the common good, you have to overlook their flaws to get the gold they carry, those who cannot forbear cannot enjoy the best in people. To enjoy the best, you have to endure the imperfection. Jesus Christ saw the gold in Peter, even though he had a loud mouth. 
Jesus Christ saw the gold in Peter. Even though he was, he was an impromptu person. He was not patient. He was not reliable. He was like a reed. But Jesus Christ looked beyond the floor to the gold. And at the point, you know, he, he was rebuking Jesus. He said, you are not going to die. You are not gonna... Jesus Christ said, get away from me, Satan. He said, hey, the devil has planned to have you. But I'm not going to leave you. I will pray for you. That your faith will not fail. He said, after you are converted, strengthen your brethren. He knew that he would be an agent of transformation. But if Jesus Christ will not look beyond his flaws, he will not get the gold. Listen. Listen. Government NA. I'm leaving you with the legacy of forbearance. I'm leaving you with that legacy. I've taken a lot from many of you. I'm leaving you with a legacy of forbearance and I've played along well. Let it continue from generation to generation. Let us accept others as they are. Make allowance for their flaws and help them to achieve God's best even if it comes at a cost to us. Paul went on to talk about love. Love. It means having unconditional love that expects nothing in return. It means looking for the interest of others and not your own. It means minimizing flaws and maximizing grace. It means minimizing differences and maximizing commonalities. It means being straightforward with people without hypocrisy. It means seeking the welfare of the body even if it comes at a price to you. It means lowering your guard without fear. It means nurturing no animosity with people. It means being under the constraints of love. In everything you do. Ministry. Listen, 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 listen. Ministry is not for hateful and inauthentic people. Our father in the Lord said something. He said, as a leader, I don't discriminate. Every member of government is my spiritual son and daughter. I do not trust everybody. But I love everybody. I would like you to be trustworthy. As a leader, I do not discriminate. I do not show up when somebody who is very close to me is doing something. I am over the place. And when somebody that I think I don't like is doing something, I'm busy. Love is without dissimulation. Our father in the Lord, I was trying to recover from that and he downloaded another thing again. He said, jealousy and envy are marks of carnality. First John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Love does not hold grudges, harbor bitterness, and foster resentment. No! 
Gafaminene. I'm leaving you with a legacy of agape. I've born a Lord for you. The legacy of agape. To generation, let us love one another equally without dissimulation. And there is no fear in love. Let us embody Romans chapter 12, 9 to 21, and 1 Corinthians 13. Our love should not be assembly-based, but Christ-based. Our love should not be assembly-based. You must not love people in your assembly more than other people in the body of Christ. Your love should not be assembly blazed, but Christ based. There is a song that we used to sing. I don't care what tribe you belong to. But as far as in Jesus we stand, if by grace through faith we have been saved, you are my brother, so give me your hand. You are my sister, so give me your hand. And at a point in that message, I could feel our Father in the Lord. He said, the cord of love that binds spirit in the bond of peace. Unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Note that it is not unity of the body, but the spirit. If we say we have unity of the body, I use size uh, 38 regular. But there's another person using size 42 regular. I'm short. But others, fat. We cannot have unity of the body. It is unity of the spirit. We cannot speak alike. We cannot look alike. We cannot sing alike. That, that's why you, you, you are behaving out of nature. That is not the way you talk. And because somebody is talking, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you, 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 you want to talk like that. People will know that you are fake. Come on, say praise God. That is who you are. It is not unity of the body. It is unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit is based on the finished work of Christ. He said, I determine not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is unity in diversity. There is no partisan spirit in Christ Jesus. We are one army. Christ is not localized. He died for all. He is not out of hope Christ. It is not out of testimony Christ. It is not out of chain Christ. It is not your know, victory house Christ. It is Christ who died for all. There are no cliques in Jesus Christ. Only the camp of the redeemed. Our unity is so important that the Father prayed for it. Jesus prayed for it. He said, Father, make them one. As we are one. And the mark of our unity is peace. Over Radoskia. Anywhere there is unity. 
there will be peace. In any home, there is unity. Look there, there is peace. In any congregation where there is unity, there will be peace. In any nation where there is unity, there will be peace. You don't have to pray for peace. Just walk in unity and peace will come. And our father, when he, when he got to a point in that message, I could feel him. He said, this kind of unity is no longer there. Let me say this last word. Ministry is not a place for promoters of disunity, but peace. God hates those that sow discord among the brethren. We must safeguard this apostolic movement from vices that want to weaken our bond and cause instability. A prideful ego, a severe demeanor, an irritable spirit, a judgmental heart, and a hateful attitude. And let me give you this apostolic warning as I end this message. No member, no leader, no department, no focus group, no assembly should promote division in words, deeds, and actions. In government NA, I'm leaving you with a legacy of unity. As one. As one. Wherever you are, let's shout it together as one. Come on, let's shout it one more time. As one. Let it continue from generation to generation. Like our father instructed, we should emphasize the spirit of unity in the bond of peace and remain as one till he comes. And Paul answered and said, there are seven facets of this unity. We are one body. There should be no hair older people's church, the young people's church, the rich people's church, the poor people's church, the black church, the white church. It is one body. There should be no segregation, one spirit. There are not different Holy Spirit for different people and different groups. Only Holy Spirit from God that gives us new life. And our Father in the Lord at a point in that message said the Holy Spirit is the overall Jeho of all Jehos. Our hope of our calling, which is that one day we will see Jesus in glory. One Lord who is Jesus Christ. One faith. The faith here means the teachings of Christ that we contend for the faith. One baptism. And through baptism, we proclaim our identification with Christ. And one God and Father of all. In conclusion, the ministry, in ministry, in ministry, in ministry, character comes before charisma. The ministry is for those born again who are walking Worthy of the calling with which they have been called. These are the people that can bring a permanent revolution for bumper harvest. Let us pray. Are you here? You have not given Jesus Christ your life. You are in church, but you are not in Christ. You know you are not born again. You know you are living a double life. You can give your life to Jesus today. We are born again, not of the incorruptible. 
Not of the corruptible, but the incorruptible, which is the word of God. Say not in your heart, who will go down and bring Jesus up, or who will ascend to heaven and bring him down, that you might believe. But it is by the word of faith that we preach. That if you will believe in your heart that is raised from the dead, and with your, with your mouth you will confess him as Lord, you will be saved. You want to call upon the name of the Lord right now and say, Lord, save me. Let me tell you this. You are still dead in your sins and your trespasses. And you cannot come into ministry. You cannot enjoy the goodness of God at that level. Come as you are and I will receive you, says the Lord. You want to say, Jesus, I commit my life to you. Or maybe you were born again. You were born again. But, but you have gone away. You have gone back into your vomit. You want to rededicate your life to Jesus right now. And say, Jesus, come into my life and change me. Or maybe you're born again, but you are not living worthy of your calling. You are still being ruled by the flesh. Anger, jealousy, envy, sedition, immorality. You are just falling and rising in sin. You want to say, Jesus... I consecrate my life to you. Don't forget, there must be consecration before elevation. I want to say, Lord, I surrender. And Father, in the name of Jesus, as many, oh God, that have surrendered to you now, they are praying to you wherever they are, all around the world. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, your life will come into them. Your life will come into them. Let there be the infusion of eternal life into their being. People that have lost direction, they are forsaking the way of the cross. Father, I pray that they will be ushered back in. I pray for those, you know, that their life is being ravaged by the works of the flesh. Lord, I pray that in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will come in again. And like you told me today, that those, and this is a general, you know, ministration. That today, as I make this declaration, those trusting God for a life partner will experience supernatural connection. I'm going to say it two more times. No matter if you are in that position, I just received this. I received the God said that is going to be the first benefit of this convention. Those trusting God for a life partner, I speak as the oracle of God, there shall be supernatural connection. I say for the last time, if you believe God for somebody, come on, shout that amen. Those trusting God for a life partner shall receive supernatural connection. Father, I thank you. I give you all the glory. Lord, give us the grace, O oh God, to see ourselves as prisoners of Christ, that we begin to do the will of God by default. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We shall walk, O oh God, in humility. We shall be gentle. We shall walk in patience. Not only that, Lord, we shall forbear for one another. O oh Lord, we shall walk in love. O oh Lord, we shall be united. We shall walk together as one. So that we shall create a permanent revolution for bumper harvest 
In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen and amen.